This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're starting a new series today. I'm very excited about this. And uh, we're calling it Journey to the Cross. Say it with me, Journey to the Cross. Over the next few weeks, as we move closer and closer toward Easter and toward celebrating the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, we're gonna look at the life of Jesus. And we're gonna do so as a way and living invitation and model for how we, as his people, can walk in his footsteps. Say footsteps. Footsteps matter. When I was a kid, about five or six years old, I lived in a sunny little place called San Diego. Anybody ever been to San Diego before? Okay, hold your hand up, keep your hand up, look around the room. All right, look at that. Almost most of you have been to San Diego. And that's where I grew up. My wife grew up here in Utah, but I grew up in sunny California. And my dad, who was a contractor at the time, he used to get up real early in the morning and he would finish all of his work by noon and then he would race home and whisk us away to the ocean. And so every day for almost a few years, my dad would take me to the beach. I love the ocean. I love the beach. Anybody else love the ocean or beach? How about those of you that grew up around lakes or rivers? Any lake brats or river brats? Okay. Water is awesome. I love the water. But one of the things that kind of got ingrained in my memory early on in my life as a young person was I could remember my dad grabbing the gear, grabbing the boogie boards, grabbing the cooler, and marching out into the sand in front of me. And as a little guy, I would follow after him. I would literally follow in his footsteps. And as a little dude, one of the things that was fun for me was to be able to put my feet and to put my footsteps in his footsteps. You know, the impressions that he was leaving behind him as he was leading me where I was supposed to go. And so I used to try to get my feet in his footsteps and I would try to like match it so that I didn't mess up the sand, but I could step right inside of his footsteps. Footsteps matter. Footsteps reveal to us as people who we're following and where we are going. But I would also say to us that footsteps leave behind a pattern or a trail for other people to follow. Let me ask you, who's following you today? Parents, it's a real simple answer, your kids. <laughs> Those of you that are, that are in leadership or in business, it's your employees. Those of you that are an employee, it's people alongside of you. Because I believe that we're all called to follow Christ and to help other people do the same. Today we're talking about footsteps because footsteps matter. And I would say to us that as people who are learning to follow Jesus more courageously, we need to pay closer attention to the shape and the direction of his footsteps. We need to better understand how to place our tiny sized feet and faith in his. And as we do that, we need to understand why we're called to this reality even when things don't make sense, and even when we don't know where he is leading us. Because, and make no mistake about it, Jesus is definitely leading us somewhere. There's definitely somewhere that he's taking us as individuals, yes, and as a church, bless God. Because we're called by him, we're, we're called and, and called out by the king of kings himself, and there is a specific plan and a specific pattern that he wants us to follow. First Peter chapter 2, verses 
21 through 22 says it this way in the NLT. For God has called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Ah, we don't like that word. We don't like to talk about that word, but that's a word that all of us have to face and deal with, right? He says, do this, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. Say example. And you must follow in his steps. Now, here's where we get into trouble, I think. We read this as you can follow in his steps. We read this as you may follow in his steps. Some of us even read this as you should follow in his steps. But I wonder today how many of us read this as you must follow in his steps. Let me ask you today, do you know your must? No, man, I didn't say musk. I said must. Do you know your must? Although it's always good to be aware of your sin as well. So I'm just going to throw that out there for free, not my notes. But do you know your must? Do you know the things that you're called to be about, that you must be about, no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice, no matter how much the price? Do you know your must? Do you have ownership of the things that God has called you to that you must be about? Now, shameless plug, I released a new song on Friday that I'm very proud of and very excited about. Yes, thank you. Yeah, your pastor can rock with the best of them. Come on, somebody. And uh, I had a lot of fun putting that together with my daughter, Cora. I'm so proud of her. But uh, I've got to be about the songs that God calls me to write and to sing. And I decided a long time ago that I must sing the songs that God gives me to sing. Some of you have some things in your life that God has for you that are a part of your must that you've got to grab a hold of, that you've got to get ownership of. Now, here's the amazing part. Jesus knew his must at 12 years old. We find Jesus in the temple talking to all the wise men and sages and teachers of the law. And Mary and Joseph, his adoptive parents, don't know where he is. They've lost Jesus. Where are you, Jesus? Where'd you go? Could you imagine losing God? But they did. And they find him in the temple. And they're like, Jesus, where were you? What are you doing? And what does Jesus say? He says, I must be about my father's business. Jesus knew his must. He knew what he had to be about, no matter how great the sacrifice, no matter how great the cost. He was so focused on the Father and what the Father had called him to and how the Father had called him to walk, that it enabled him, as fully God, yes, but also fully man, to drown out all the other voices and all the other distractions and all the other people that would seek to push him and to pull him off course, to pull him in the direction that he was not called or commissioned for. Jesus knew his must, and he stayed true to it even to the end. The importance of Jesus' must led him to the cross. We're talking about being on this journey to the cross. And it led him to this symbolic place and picture for our lives where pain and purpose collide. Your must will always bring you to a place where your pain and your purpose collide. It led him to a place where joy and suffering collide, where they intersect and produce in us and for us as his people life everlasting. We might call it life eternal, life that goes on and on and on and on. The writer of the Gospels would describe it as the life of the heavens or the kingdom of God. And that's what God wants for us. As his people, he wants us to know this life. He wants us to have life everlasting, life eternal. And it doesn't just start the minute we get to heaven. 
Come on, somebody. It starts right now. Eternal life is right now. What you do in this life matters. Who you're following matters. The question is, what road are you on? The title of my message today is simply this. What road are you on? Just like footsteps matter, roads matter. Jesus had this to say about roads in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. He says this, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many enter it. Verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few people find it. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. So apparently here, and according to Jesus, roads matter. Now, as somebody who grew up in Southern California, as I've already said, I can remember spending a lot of time in both my young adult years and my older adult years uh, on the freeway. Anybody spend time in traffic? If you've ever been to California, you know the 405 and five, and yes, I do say the in front of the freeway, the 405 and the five. I know some people that aren't from California, they're like, no, 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 you don't put a the in front of it. Yes, we do, and I'm proud of it, and I own that. But I can remember being on the 405 and the five freeway and spending hours in traffic, why? because they were constantly working on the roads. They were constantly widening the lanes. They're doing that right now with the belt route. Anybody been on the, the belt route here? And they're just widening the roads. Why are they doing that, church? So that more people can access it, so that there's more room for more people. That's the broad road. And then I moved to a little place called Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Bless God, love Jackson. And I got to experience some narrow roads. Strips along the Snake River, up and over mountain passes where things got a little bit sketchy. Anybody ever like drive over the mountain pass in the middle of winter, in January, and your wheels are kind of moving and people in front of you are starting to slide backwards? That happens when I go to Park City sometimes. Freaks the heck out of me. But that's the narrow road. And Jesus says, few are those that find it. Few are those that access it. It's not a very familiar road to many. Jesus here in this infamous Sermon on the Mount is trying to draw our attention to what kind of road we're living our life on. So let me ask you again, do you know what road you're on today? And for those watching online, do you know what road you're on? In other words, do you know where you are? The truth is, if you don't know where you are, you don't know or can't figure out where you're going. Can I say that again? If you don't know where you are, you won't know where you're going. And this is important. So where are you today, emotionally and spiritually speaking? When was the last time that you or I took serious spiritual inventory of our lives? Pastor Jim, at the start of our, of our year, preached a great message about taking spiritual inventory. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3 in the NLT. He says this, don't think that you've got your act together, that you're a bag of potatoes and all that good stuff, that you're better than you really are. But be honest. Say honesty. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith that God has given you or given us. The first key to figuring out where you are and what road you're on today is, is this. Number one, you got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with where you are. The worst thing that we can do as people is lie to ourselves and lie to God and lie to other people. And that's not what the Lord wants for our lives. Come on, church, he didn't call us to be a people that just fidget a little bit here and there, that just sort of tell little white lies, that just sort of make up stories when it's uncomfortable that we overslept our alarm and got to work late. Come on, I know I'm talking to everybody in this room who's done that before. 
come up with just a little excuse that's just not the truth. Years ago, and I was telling Tim this last week, years ago, God began to really convict me about just like the, the little lies that we tell, the casual lies that we, we tell in our lives to make up for our deficiency. When in reality, Jesus calls us to walk the narrow road to be a people that are honest and that are transparent and real. How many of you guys know that you'd much rather spend time with somebody who's real and authentic than somebody who's fake and a liar? Yeah, in fact, you know, Jesus's, all of his major criticisms were not for the lost, the broken, the tax collector, the sinner, the prostitute, the adulterous woman, right, fill in the blank. It was for the religious, fake, hypocritical liars. He says, you're whitewashed tombs, you're a brood of vipers. Who saved you from the wrath to come? <laughs> wow, take it easy, Jesus. But sometimes we find ourselves in that group. It's religious people, right? People that are passionate about religious things. Spiritual things. Well, I'm not religious, Pastor Jason. I'm just spiritual. <laughs> I hear that all the time. But it's so easy to get drawn into this idea of justifying the little lies that we tell, the little untruths, the things that just aren't exactly honest. Paul says, don't do that. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God and be honest with each other. So where are you today? Do you find yourself being honest in your evaluation of yourself? When I woke up this morning... I dimmed the lights a little bit because I wasn't ready to face the truth about the way I looked in the mirror. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? <laughs> little sleep in the eye, a little fuzz on the teeth because I forgot to floss. Confession time. Some of you are like, I never floss. What's the deal? <laughs> you should. So what do you do? You dim that light. You're just not ready to face the facts. You're not ready to face the reality of, of what is true about you. And if you're married to somebody, guess what? They have to face the facts about the way you look in the morning and your bad breath, and your mood. How many of you would say, Pastor Jason, I am a morning person. Lift your hand up. Okay, look around the room. Look around the room. All right, quite a few morning people. Now put your hands down. How many of you would say, Pastor Jason, I am not a morning person. Now lift your hand up. All right, look around the room. So we're split pretty dividedly, okay? So, so most of you that aren't morning people are usually married to someone who is, and that's your curse. <laughs> I was shooting a video of my kids today on the way to church, and I love putting them on the spot. You know, I throw them up on Instagram and, and like to embarrass them a little bit, because that's what you do when you're dad. But my kids aren't morning people. They didn't inherit my joy in the morning. You know, scripture that says joy comes in the morning. Yeah, some of you are like, I don't believe it. <laughs> joy comes in the afternoon after three cups of espresso. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.